Previously, we spoke about revelations, about the man-child in the desert. And you will see in this teaching, I'm not trying to teach you about end times. I don't believe in preaching end times. I mean, just using stuff in the end times to show you what's in the story going on of the Lord, in His story. So I have to go to the end time stuff so that you can understand why this stuff is mentioned in the rest of your Bible. I don't believe in preaching of the end times. It doesn't say that in your Bible. The Bible says you only preach one thing. Paul says it. You only preach Christ. So in everything I do, I preach Christ, not what's going to happen in the end times and what is this and that. So I will use stuff all over to, to explain why I'm saying why Christ is the one we talk about. We, in, 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 in general, as Christians, we preach things. How to have better faith, how to pray, how to cast out demons, how to do that. And there's a time and a place for that. But when you grow, you don't have to teach about that anymore, you live that. And you preach and teach Christ. In those stuff, stuff you've learned. A baby, you learn an X amount of stuff. And then you don't learn that anymore because they know it. They can practice it. They use it. It's part of their life now. I cannot teach you how to cast out demons for 20 years. I can't even do it for five years. Then there's something wrong with you. Because, I mean, there's no... You, you do it. You don't get teaching over teaching over teaching how to do it. You do it, you learn it, and you move on. You learn the next thing. All right? So it's the same thing. That's why when Paul came, after everybody was taught how to cast out demons, how to share the gospel, how to baptize people, and Paul came to the scene, years after that, Peter and them learned that. He didn't say, okay, let's teach on how to baptize somebody. I mean, Paul actually did the total opposite. He said, why are you guys still fighting about that? He said, we only preach Christ. All right? So get that understanding. See how that story runs in your Bible. All right? It's not a, a, a thing like this. This happened there, and then this happened there. It's one story, and you use everything in that story. All right? That whole story flows in what you walk in. That's why you will understand then why Paul came later and wasn't there with Peter, because it wasn't the time yet to preach Christ. It was the time to preach discipleship. All right? That's why Paul could come and talk to the disciples. Paul didn't want to talk to unbelievers. Paul wasn't called to anointed to speak to people in sin the whole time in the sense of not wanting to follow the Lord. He spoke to disciples. People already walking, baptizing, casting out demons, sharing the gospel. He came to visit and teach them. Alright, so we, we're talking about this cloud. I said we have this image in our head that on the, when Jesus was ascended, he went and stood on top of a cloud and went out and everybody looked up. And as he went up, he disappeared. Huh? That's what we were taught in, in Bible schools and in everywhere. It's funny, um, that image that I've just described for you, Jesus standing on a cloud and going up, is used in every de denomination nearly. They will differ in everything, the denominations. But with that end time thing, they all got the same thing. There's only two things in the Bible that different denominations agree with. One is tithing, and the other was the end time, rapture theory. 
think about it for a second what I'm saying. Let that hit you. Those are the two things that the churches agree upon. The rest they fight with one another. Something's wrong then. Why is it that way? Alright? So in this we're talking about the clouds. And I want to show you from the beginning of the Bible how this cloud plays a huge role. So when a cloud was used in the New Testament, there was an understanding. What does it mean? But we today don't understand it. We don't understand because we were not there. We don't have the revelation maybe of it. But the people back there knew more or less what was going on in some of these cases. Remember what I said? When Moses was in the desert, he spoke to the rock and the rock brought forth water. Jesus comes years later and says, I'm the rock, the cornerstone. They all knew exactly what was talking about the rock of Moses. They knew what he was referencing to because they knew that scripture by heart. They didn't go like us think, oh wow, that, yeah, that must be that. They knew why he was saying that. He was saying that deliberately because out of that rock flowed water, Jesus out of me will flow rivers of living water. Paul uses that as an example. Paul made that a spiritual thing. So, but we today, we struggle with that because we don't have that understanding. Alright, so with the clouds, we've spoken about the clouds with a storm. When, what do you need to have clouds to bring forth rain? A storm. Uh, weather needs to gather, clouds need to gather for a storm to come. And I showed you in the Bible, there's so many places in the Bible where a storm is. And they give you a specific wording in your Bible that is in a storm. Thunder, lightning, voices. Remember we spoke about that earthquakes. Alright. We spoke about that in the previous sessions. Every time in the Bible those things get mentioned the same way. And I'm going to show you one right now again where it's mentioned that way. Alright. So in Exodus 19 verse 9. I'm going to start then read. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud. Remember we stopped last week and I said I'm going to take you up the mountain now. The last time we spoke. I'm going to take you up the mountain with Moses. When he had to go to the Lord. And he said there, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. So see this, what's happening here. There's an actual cloud gathering on top of this mountain. Alright, in the natural. And what have I told you? On the day of the Lord, on the day of the Lord when He returns, what's going to happen? He's going to appear again in a cloud, in a spiritual cloud, not a literal cloud. Which, who's that cloud? It's you. Alright, hear what I'm saying. Here, He used the cloud on top of the mountain in which He spoke out of. How did God speak? Out of the cloud. Okay, you all know this story. He spoke out of this cloud. On the day of the Lord, when he returns, he's going to speak out of his clouds again. But then it's not going to be a white cloud. It's going to be you. You are that cloud. We spoke about it previously. I'm going to give you some more things around that. Exodus 19.10, I'm continuing. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them 
today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. Okay, I'm not going to go into the Hebrew stuff about what was happening there. There's something different. I want to speak spiritually about this piece here, not historically. So historically, very beautiful what's happening. I spoke about this on the wedding camp we had on this piece here. But I want to speak now spirit into this. All right, Holy Spirit revelation into the scripture. So it says there, sanctify. Sanctify. That word sanctify means to be set apart. All right, to be set apart. To be set apart for something that you must do. To be set apart. All right, he said, go sanctify the people. For how many days? You're going to see that now. He says there, uh, and he says there, sanctify them uh, today and tomorrow. How many days will have to be sanctified? How many days have to be set apart? Two days. All right. Verse 11. And be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of the people upon Mount Sinai. So on the third day, he said, I'm coming on the mountain. Right, most of you should actually realize something already when I just said that. What's going on here? Those that have been with me for a while should know. What day are we in now? The third day. He's saying on the third day I'm coming down on this mountain. Are we in the third day today? All right. Verse 15. And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. Hmm. What does wives mean? Women mean in the Bible spiritually. It's two things. Your spirit. Your spirit is female. And church, religion, church, however you want to look at it. So what's he saying here? You should on the third day, if he comes on the third day to the mountain, where must you not be? Stuck in religion or in your soul? Me, myself and I. Do you understand that? He said, don't be with the woman. Woman is a picture of your soul and the church. And that can be the wrong church. You mustn't be in that. In other words, religion. Alright. He doesn't marry somebody that's in religion because then they've got a different God that they're worshipping. Verse 16. And it came to pass on the third day in, in the morning, and there were thunder, thunders and lightning. You see, here's it again. We, I talked about so many places in the Bible where those words are used. Thunders and lightning, and a thick cloud upon the mountain, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud. You see, there's sound coming now. And, the, and all the people that was in the camp trembled. Trembled, earthquake again. See, all the quake is there, the, the sound is there, the, the thunder is there, and the lightning is there. Those four things we spoke about earlier in the previous sessions, they're all there again on top of this mountain. So you see, there's a storm happening here. On top of this mountain, it's like an image of a storm happening here. But I want you to realize, this storm happening on top of the mountain, it is a, a grace. 
storm. It's a love storm happening on top of this mountain. Alright? So it's a Holy Spirit storm happening on top of this mountain. It's not a storm of war and destruction killing people. What is the purpose of the storm? It's to restore. That's why God's calling Moses up the mountain. He wants to bring restoration. Lots of us were taught that a storm, the hail and everything falling, is to bring destruction. No, it's to bring restoration. You need the thunder, the lightning, the hail, the sound for restoration, not for destruction. So, something to note about this story. Um, where do, if you look at the story, where do we find Moses and where do we find the people? The Israelites. Moses at the foot of the mountain, on his way up to meet the Lord. Where is the Israelites? Where were the people? They kept their distance. They didn't go up with. Yes, the Lord told them not to. But why? why? Why are they keeping their distance? And only Moses going up. And I said, yeah, not everyone is willing to go up the mountain in the presence of the Lord. Even today. Not everyone is willing to go up and meet the Lord face to face. But out of all the people, God took one, allowed one to come up. that was ready to face him face to face. And that same story happened in the New Testament. When Jesus was in Matthew 17 on top of the mountain, the Mount of Configuration, when he was on top of the mountain, he had 12 disciples. <coughs> How many disciples were allowed to go up with him in the mountain? Three. The other nine was quite happy not to go up the mountain. Hopefully you, sitting here, are one of the three and not part of the nine. Where were the nine? What were they busy doing when Jesus went up the mountain with the three? With Peter, John, when they went up the mountain. Where were the other nine? They were trying to cast out a demon out of a boy and they couldn't get him out. And the father, when Jesus came down the mountain, ran to the father and said, your disciples couldn't get him out. You know the story now? The other nine were busy there. They were, not, they were busy casting demons out and they couldn't even do it then. Man, that should be a revelation what I just told you there. I hope you got it. I really hope you got what I just said. Ask the Holy Spirit to open that up for you. Don't be happy to be the nine. If Jesus says, come up the mountain, you go up the mountain. You don't go stay down being content with what you're busy with. You go up the mountain. If you know what happened on top of the mountain, I can tell you when the other nine heard what happened on top of the mountain, they would have wished they were there to have seen what the, what the other three have seen on top of the mountain. All right, Exodus 19 verse 17. 17. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether 
on a smoke because of the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. See, earthquake happening here again. Same stuff that we've talked about previously. This mountain is quaking. Verse 19. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by a voice. Yes, that sound coming forth. I said to him, when the lightning hits, when the quake hits, the sound will come. The voice will come. Always there's a voice. It's like you. If, if you sit and you read your Bible and you read something and all of a sudden you understand something deeper in that, that verse you just read, that's a lightning strike. You've got a revelation. And what happens when you get revelation? You immediately go share it with somebody. Voice comes out of that revelation. It's what's happening here. A voice steps out of this thing happening here again. Sound comes forth. Alright? Um, verse 20. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. And you always thought darkness is just the enemy. I'm going to say it again. And you think darkness is always just the enemy. That's a religious mindset. Get rid of that thing. Yes, he is in darkness. But who made darkness? God. The enemy is just using it. Because we're giving it to him. It's not his. Nothing is the enemy's. Everything belongs to God. That's why we've given the enemy all the animals also. An owl. A wolf. It's all symbols of the enemy. Who made them? God. It's not the enemies. But we as Christians have given it over to them to use as his symbols. And it's God. God is in the owl, not the enemy. But we've given it to them to use and abuse. Hear what I just read. The word coming or to come down. He's coming down on the mountain. Alright? That word is Perusia. When we spoke about Perusia quite a lot previously, <coughs> if we look at um, the lightning happening here, the lightning strike, if we read Luke 11:35, take heed therefore that the light which is on thee be not darkness. If thy whole body therefore be full of light, Having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give the light. That word shining, where it says you've got to shine, this light's got to shine, has got the same meaning as lightning. It's the same word used in, as lightning, that's shining, that you have to be. Remember I gave you the example last week. Let's go back 20 years. 20 years ago, if you drove from George to Joburg and you ended up in Joburg, your car was 80% covered in bugs on your windscreen and on your bumper. Why? Because all the bugs as you're driving are coming to the light. Today, you, you'll get maybe 10 of them on your windscreen because of people killing all the animals with the spraying of pesticides and stuff. There's not a lot of them there. But a couple of years ago, if you drove in a road, there was an issue. Your car would have been filled with bugs. Other countries, it's the same. It's not just here. Because light attracts bugs. 
You've got to be a light, the Bible says. Why? So the bugs will come to you. Alright? So if you're not getting a lot of bugs coming to you for help, maybe your light's not shining that brightly at the moment. Something to think about. Alright. Lighting brings forth light. At the moment, I've said this before, at the moment in the time and the place where we are now, God is busy bringing lightning into the world. He's bringing revelation into the world. Alright? And He's only bringing lightning to those that seek Him in relationship. He's only bringing revelation to those in relationship. He's not bringing revelation to those in religion. Please, understand that. You need that divine illumination, that wow factor happening in your life, that the Lord has hit you with a lightning strike, that you can get that revelation of stuff. Alright? To understand discipleship is not revelation. It's beautiful, but it's not revelation. Discipleship is, you see, you do. Baby stuff. You see how to lay hands, you do it. You see how to pray, you do it. Those that have got small children, they will know what I'm talking about now, if I'm talking a truth or a lie. How does your child learn when they're one and two years old? By reading them a booklet out of how to walk? Or does it happen naturally because they see you walking? How do you get your child to eat with a spoon? You show them physically and then they do it. You don't read them a whole book of how to use a spoon to eat food. They do not understand it yet. It's the same spiritually when we walk with this stuff. So, Psalm 119, it says, The entrance of thy words given light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. Read this again. The entrance of the words giveth light. What giveth light? The words. The words he's giving. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Everything you do, how you function, must come out of the Word. It must be traced to the Word, not your doctrine to the Word. Alright? Everything you do, the Word must, have, must be brought forth in light through the Spirit. Understand this. Your, the Bible, to use a plain terminology, will only become alive when the lightning hits it for you. And you see the revelation in the scripture. Right? That's how you must read it. That's how you must interact with it. That's how Paul did it and that's how Jesus did it. They used the word and they allowed the lightning to hit the word and then it came revelation and they taught that. Jesus never just said something and left it like that. He said something and then they had no clue and then he had to explain it to them. So that they would understand what he's actually saying. Not the literal thing that he just said. He would give the revelation of that thing he just used. He uses, says, you are, a, you are a field. He says, you must sow your seed in the field. What is that ground type of? Man. We all know that. Come on, you all know that. You've all read that piece, used it. Why is he using ground as man? Because what have you made out of? In Genesis. Out of dust. That's why he's using that terminology later again. So you can understand. 
So ground is speaking about you, and he's saying, you've got to sow your seed on fertile ground. Because he's talking about people in that sense. But if you just stood there and listened, oh, you must throw seeds on ground, you're going to go think you must go plant seeds at home. Because you don't have the revelation of what he's talking about if he didn't explain that. Alright, so get that understanding. Proverbs 20, 27. I'm going to bring everything together now. The spirit of man is the candle, the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. When Adam and Eve sinned, they lost that light. The holy, holiness. They lost that, the Bible says. We don't have it. I don't see you looking like Adam and Eve at the moment. They lost that because of sin that came in. That's why we're becoming a light again. Because it has to be restored again. So, another example. When I walk into this place this morning, into this building this morning, the lights were off. Right? So when we walked in here this morning, the lights were off. I had to switch on the lights to be able to see in here. But it doesn't mean there were no lights here. They were here. The lights were here. But they needed to be switched on to function according to what they were made for. But they were still here. A lot of believers outside, they have the light in them. It needs, just needs to be switched on. It's there. It's, they can use it, but they don't know. If I didn't know there was a switch there, I would have walked in, I would have walked in the darkness the whole time. And we are, as believers, sometimes functioning in the same way. A lot of us, our spirits are not lit, are not light. There's actually more darkness in it. So, everyone, 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 everyone needs a lightning strike to happen in their life. To get the revelation, to get the light ignited in you. So that you can walk as light outside. Let's put it this way. Hopefully, a year back, if you look from today, a year back, what you've heard here, what you've applied to your life, have made you shine a bit brighter. That's the purpose of this. The purpose is not to gain knowledge. Remember I said to you, if you come to a Bible school and you want to gain knowledge, you're at the wrong place. A Bible school is not to gain knowledge. A Bible school is to get the revelation of Christ, to fall in love with Christ. That's why everything I teach you, you must use outside, not keep it here. Then it means nothing. Then you're busy with religion. You can sit here and be fully in religion. You must be fully in relationship. Sitting in a denomination doesn't make you a believer. Sitting in a denomination doesn't mean you've got a relationship with the Lord. A relationship has got only one thing that makes a thing a relationship. What's that? Love. The only thing that makes a relationship a relationship is love. Think about it. If you know your wife, everything about her, but you don't love her, are your marriage going to last? No. If you don't know everything about your wife, but you love her, will that marriage last? Yes. Love is the key factor, not what you know, or what you do. Alright? So, allow the Holy Spirit to make your lights brighter and brighter, so that the bugs can come.
Alright? Matthew 24, 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. That word, shining, fino, it is to, to shine, to give light, to uh, be visible and appear. That's the meaning of the word. I'm going to give it to you again for those that are writing it down. It means to shine, to give light, be visible, or appear. That's what that word shining is. So read it again. For as the lightning cometh, so for as it becomes visible or appear out of the east, out of the west. All right? That's what that word actually means. Pino. When lightning strikes outside in nature, do you think lightning is striking? Do you sit there and think, oh, I feel like lightning is striking here somewhere now? No, you see it. It's visible. You can really see it. I mean, if you really stand in front of a lightning storm, you don't think it's lightning. You know it's lightning. You don't have to go read a book about lightning. You can see this is lightning. It's lightning. Actually, the, the whole place will be lit up. On the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, did the people in the town think something is happening? Or did they see it, feel it? They saw it. They just didn't say, oh, I feel there's something happening in the upper room somewhere. Let's go and have a look. No, they felt the quake, the lightning, the sound, the cloud coming in the room. The same thing is happening on top of the mountain happened in Acts 2. Saying it again. The same thing that I'm busy telling you happened in Mount Sinai happened in Acts 2. That same cloud was there in Acts 2. The shaking and the voice coming forth. So on the day of the Lord, you will not think, I must do this or that. You will do it. You're not going to think, what is the Lord saying? What does the Lord want me to do? You're going to know what He wants you to do. All right? Colossians 3, 4 said it just to repeat it. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with Him in the splendor of His glory. That word appear is fanarua. It's a, not to go into detail, it's a, a similar word as pino that I just gave you. They link to one another these words, fanarua. We spoke about the Fanarua appears, that word appears when Christ, who is our life, appears. The one in the clouds appearing. When he appears, it means the following. When he is made visible. When he goes public. When he gives light. That's what that word appear means. So on the day of the Lord, he's going to do what? He's going to become visible. He's going to go public. In Acts 2, were they hidden away so nobody could see what's happening? No, it went public. Everybody came from that town. It's like we're sitting here and you hear the sound outside and you hear the thunder and lightning going on and we walk outside and we say, oh, there in George Central, there where, let's say the municipality is in George or what is the big building in the town. You, we can see from here, 
there's clouds gathering there, there's lightning eating there. Let's go there and see what's going on. That's human nature. If something happens, what do you do? You go there. Ask my wife. If she sees an ambulance going past or a police car, she'll say, turn around, let's go and look. It's human nature. We're curious. We want to see. All right? Sorry, love. But we always make a joke about it. When we see her coming, we say, oh, okay, now we're going to go turn again because she's going to want to know what's going on. All right? But that's human nature. They didn't think it was happening. They saw it. On the day of the Lord, you're not going to think. The people are going to see it. There's something changed in you. There's something different in you. They're not going to think it. They're going to see it. All right? So, on the day of the Lord, you will become public. You will become visible. You will become light. And it's not about you. It's about Christ in you that will do that. You only are in that because you allowed him to do that with you. In your love relationship. Not in your doctrine. In your beliefs. That plays no role. John 17, 6. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. That word manifest. He says, I have manifested. There. Manifested. In Afrikaans, I get openbaar. I'm going to read John 17:6 in the Amplified. It says it so beautifully, then you'll understand it even more. I have manifested your name. I have revealed your very self. Your real self to the people whom you have given me out of this world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have obeyed and kept your word. You see it says there, I have revealed your very self. Man, that's deep. Think, come, think, think, think. Use your brain. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to see what it's saying here. This is Jesus talking here about the Father. He's saying, Father, I've revealed you to the people. I've manifested you. You became visible to them through me. That's what it's saying there. Manifested. Fanarua. That's what that word means. Manifested. What, did he, what is he saying? What does he manifest? Your name. So did Jesus walk on the earth saying, I'm showing you God. I'm showing you God. I'm showing you God. Saying the name God. Or Yahweh. Whatever you want to call it. Did he do that? Did he walk everywhere and say, I'm revealing God. Using that name God. Or whatever. No. But we think that. Because we think that's what name means. Those that have been with me longer would know by now what name means in the Bible. And name means what? Character. When, when in Genesis, when Adam was standing there and the animals walked past him, the Bible says he named them. He didn't say lion, zebra, baboon. When he said lion, every character trend of a lion was deposited into that animal. Not the name L-I-O-N. You must pray and ask in the name of Jesus. No. Don't think if you ask 
J-E-S-U-S is going to happen is do you know his character? That's what it's saying. You get people, they will just use the name Jesus. In whatever way they use it, Jesus, Yeshua, whatever way they use it, they will just use his name in their prayer life and think it's going to happen because it's in there because the Bible says you must use his name. Man, you can pray until you're blue, nothing's going to happen. Do you know that one? His character, his nature, his name. Do you know it? That's why that's you can use the name Jesus, Yeshua, to cast out a demon. It will not listen to you if you don't know that name. The demon knows if you know that name that you're using. The character, who that name is you're using. The demon knows that. That's why the demon will laugh at you and say, go away from me. Because you're using the name, thinking you can use it, it will not. You will get hiding. You will run from that demon. Because we think we can just say the word, Jesus and the demon will listen to me now. No, the demon wants to see, do you know him? Remember what the, the demon said to Paul and them? We, we, we think we can just use and abuse this stuff and we don't know what it actually means. Um, what did Jesus do here when he said, I manifested your name? What did he do? What's he saying there? The character of God. He's saying, I brought forth the character of God in this earth. So when they look at me, they see the Father. I said here, yeah, when Jesus was walking, and somebody needed healing. He went down and he prayed for that person to get healed. And he said, what was happening in the spirit? Jehovah Jireh. Oh, sorry. I'm getting mixed up here. Um, Jehovah Nishi stepped in onto the scene. The God that heals. And is manifesting God's name. A character of God's name. By doing healing. Jehovah Jireh. When he was helping people, providing fish. Making fish and bread more. Huh? Jehovah Jireh came onto the scene. God. And he multiplied the fish. He's busy bringing forth the character of God. His name on the scene. Um, Jehovah Shalom. God of peace. Whenever he walked. He was manifesting God's name. He wasn't saying Elohim, Elohim, Elohim or whatever. He was in his lifestyle showing God's names. That's what that means when he says there, um, I've manifested your name. Guys, I want to ask you, are you manifesting the Lord's name outside? Are you showing, I'm walking with Jehovah Jireh? God provides. Or are you complaining? Oh, I'm suffering. What are you manifesting? But there's a lot of names. Oh, well, maybe one day talk about all the names. And, but this, he was showing those names, the character of God on this earth. 1 John 1 2. For the life was manifested, the same word. And we have seen it and bear witness and shew unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Of whom is John talking here in 1 John? He's talking about Jesus that was manifested. He's talking about Jesus. Look what it says in verse 1 of that. Um, there. That which was from the beginning. That which was from the beginning. Which we have heard. Which we have seen. 
with our eyes which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the, um, of the word of life. Who is this living word? Jesus. Jesus Christ is this living word. So God the Father, God's life became visible through Jesus Christ when he was on the earth. So God became public, visible on the earth through Jesus. Alright? That's why we need relationship, guys. So that we can make Jesus public outside. Make him appear until the day he truly appears. 1 John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest. Let me take you back, because I know you're not going to see this. 1 John 1, look what it says here. For the life was manifested. Alright? Now, what am I reading here? What is being manifested here now? Not life anymore, but love. In this, the love of God was made manifest, displayed, were made public. Made public, visible, appear. Where we are concerned, in that God sent His Son, the only begotten or unique Son, into the world so that we might live through Him. We just read life became visible, appeared. Now we read love became visible and appeared. Fanarua, His love made visible. The only way Jesus functioned was in love, even when he was strict, and he was at a lot of places strict. He was to the point directly, he would attack somebody directly, but it was always done in love. So I want to ask you this question, if you walk outside, how will you get people's faith activated? How will you get people to walk in this faith thing? How will you get people to listen? That love needs to become visible in you. That fanarua, it must appear in you to get the people to listen and come to you. You can do signs and wonders. Anybody can do that that's a believer. But will that person come back for you because you felt the love of the Lord in you when you did that? The, the times when we went out a lot in the streets, how many times did I speak to the people and say, I'm looking at you while you're praying. I'm not interested in your prayer or if the healing even comes. I'm looking, are you Jesus' hands and feet out there? Are that person that you're busy praying for, seeing Jesus in your life that moment you're praying for them? That's what it's about. The healing can come and go away, but Jesus must stay. And He's only be made visible through you, outside, through us. And that's not easy. Come on, let's be honest, that's not easy. You know that verse means that you've got to love the murderer outside? The child molester? The thief? Come on, we can't look like these holy people. You see, we still got a lot of work to do in ourselves. There's nobody here that can say, I love everybody outside. Then you're lying. There's nobody here that can say, 
oh, I love all the child molesters and the murderers. We don't. It shows us we need a deeper relationship to get rid of that stuff. It's not wrong if you, there's people you don't like. It just shows you there's still place in us to grow. We need to grow. On the day of the Lord, you will not have that anymore. You will just love if you were in a love relationship with Him. All right. This love, think of it this way to make it easy for you to understand. This love that you have to have, it's not a feeling, it's not an idea, it's a person. His name is Jesus Christ. That's that love that you need. It's a person that you must fall in love with. Psalm 97.4 His lightnings enlightened the world. The earth saw and trembled. In this one verse, you have a storm happening here. Lightning and earthquake. Verse 5 The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare His righteousness and the people see His glory. So, we spoke about the mountain. Moses went up the mountain. Mount Sinai. What does Daniel say? Just, I'm not going to go through that whole thing. I just want you to remember there was something in the Old Testament what Daniel was saying. He said to King Nebuchadnezzar, he said a stone came loose without the help of man's hands. He says there was a stone on this mountain that came loose without man doing it. Alright? And that stone grew. It grew. It was busy growing. It grew. And became a mountain and filled the earth. See, he's talking a spiritual thing here. There's not a literal stone that rolled down and grew. Alright? So, what is he saying here? Daniel explains it to the king then. He says, this stone is a kingdom. So this stone, he just said, this small little stone that started rolling without the help of a man is a kingdom. Peter goes and says, you are kings and priests. Peter says it all. We spoke about that on the men's weekend. God made us kings and priests. What is happening at Mount Sinai? Here comes Moses, receives something from God. I want to ask you this question. Think of it this way. Um, I think I've got it here. Who is the cloud that is on the mountain with Moses? Who is the thunder? Who is the lightning? Who is the earthquake? Who is the fire and the smoke? Who is that? It was God. It was God there. So on this mountain, when Moses went up there, it was a manifestation, a fanarua appearance made visible of God, His nature. His nature became visible on top of that mountain. Alright? That nature is taken over to the New Testament. In a symbolic form, it gets taken over to the New Testament. In the New Testament, smoke becomes what? His glory. Fire becomes what in the New Testament? A manifestation of cleansing. It cleanses. It uses gold as an example to clean gold. How do you clean gold? Through fire. Just get to draws off and you use fire. See, the same words get used in the New Testament that was used in the Old Testament 
but it takes a spiritual form now not the literal form it had in the Old Testament and that's why those same words are used in the New Testament thunder is a manifestation of, uh, of lighting of this illumination this, this understanding so I said to you guys in the previous sessions we are the clouds we are the clouds we are the thunder and the lightning and the mountain that little stone that came loose grew and became a kingdom that filled the earth what does the Bible say? God's glory is going to fill the earth. His kingdom is going to fill the earth. Isaiah 2.2 says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills. That's a very prophetic verse there. And on the ene van die daas, sal die berg van die huis van die Heere vaststaan, op die top van die berge en verhewe wees boor die hebels en al die nazies sal daarin toestroom this is such a prophetic verse who's this house? he says there and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house who's that house? the temple in Jerusalem? no it's you you are a house a tent a dwelling place you what does this house symbolize? it symbolizes what does the house symbolize outside here? And it symbolized the same 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. It's a dwelling place. It's a place where somebody goes and stays in. Who stays in us? Christ, the Holy Spirit, the inside of us. Alright? That's what he's talking about. So you are this house. What does a mountain symbolize? A kingdom. We just said that. A mountain is a kingdom. So bring it together, what we just read here. We're going to have a group of people who stands under God's rulership, His kingdom, under His rulership. We're going to have a group of people that will stand under God's rulership and they will share His throne with Him. We spoke about that last time. The man-child, where we separated the man-child and he goes and sits on the throne. That's what's happening here. And guys, if you don't understand this stuff, go listen to the previous ones and go listen to this one again so you understand what I'm saying here. God is looking for this group of people, this house, that will manifest Him on this earth. And bring forth His mountain, His kingdom. That's what He's doing here. When that happens, let's first say this. It says here, and all nations shall flow uh, flow unto you. Uh, what, what you should understand when he says that, and all nations shall flow unto you. I used the light in the car when you were driving up to Joburg, the bugs hitting the car. Do you notice that it says, all nations shall flow unto you? Not you go to them, they will come to you on that day of the Lord. You're not going to have a woman's weekend then. You're not going to have a kickstart then. The people will come to you. Why? Because of His light inside of you. We don't have to have these gatherings anymore. Remember I said it last time. Wherever you are, there will be a gathering. 
because of him. Wherever Jesus went, there was a gathering. He didn't need to go to the temple. Go check for yourselves how many times he spoke in the temple and how many times he spoke outside religion. Most of the times he was outside of religion speaking, not in religion. Isaiah 2 verse 3. And many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain. Look at this prophetically. I explained to you what the mountain is and everything. Of the Lord to the house of God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. It says, and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths when they come up the mountain. What's going to happen when people come up the mountain? Why do they come up the mountain? Why do they want to come up the mountain? Do they come to be judged? Like we love to say. Because, oh, Christians, man, whenever they talk to me about end times, that's the number one thing they mention to me, how people are going to get judged. Everybody's going to get judged. Yeah, there's stuff like that going to happen, but they use it in the wrong context. What do the people do when they go up the mountain? They don't come up to be judged. They don't come up to be criticized. They come because they truly want to know his ways, it says there. That's why they come up the mountain. They want to walk in his ways. If you are not willing to go up the mountain, you will not learn his ways, how to walk in him. I'm going to share this, it's not even the thing here. Years ago the Lord showed me a mountain. Let's see if I can draw it on here. He showed me a mountain like this. And then you get this steep bit at the top. You know those mountains? You get them like this rocks here. It's normally like the rocks look like this. It's straight up everywhere. This piece, it's fine. You can walk up here. But that bit is like straight up. And the Lord years ago said to me, Are you willing to walk up this mountain here? Because you can in your power, in your way I designed you, you can walk up this mountain, up my kingdom. He said, but he waits for us here. He, Jesus, waits for us here. He says, if you reach me there, I will take you to the top. You don't have to do it in your own power anymore. But you need to be willing to go up this mountain. In that, in the walk up that mountain, you will have valleys. You will bump your toes. You will probably bleed. But he said, if you keep going, I will wait for you here. Because that last but you will not be able to do on your own. I will do it for you. I will take you to the top of the mountain. But you need to be willing to walk up that mountain the whole time. Your whole life is a journey up the mountain. His kingdom. But if you bump your toe while you're walking, do you quit like a lot of us do? Or it's too hard? Or I just want to do the baby stuff? If you want to do the baby stuff, you stay here at the bottom of the mountain. You don't go up. On the day of the Lord when this happens, it's not going to be a one-man show. The big man of God is going to be you and me, the body functioning. Why do you think everybody's dying at the moment, all the big names? 
Why is all the big trees falling all of a sudden all over the world? The big men, men of God over the years, the last, let's say, the last hundred years. Do you, have you noticed they're dying quite rapidly all of a sudden? A lot of big names have died in the last five years. Big men that moved with God for a season have died. We just saw T.B. Joshua died recently. I don't care what you think of T.B. Joshua. A lot of people got saved through T.B. Joshua. He was well known. But he was just another one dying again. And that should make you excited to see that happening. Because when Jesus came to the earth, all the prophets and the big names were dead. And then his name was the only one carried. He's busy with the same thing is going to happen again. All the big names in the world that stands for God. I'm not talking about religious entertainers. They will always be there. They were there when the Lord also came. They were the ones attacking him the whole time, the entertainment guys. That dressed according to what the fashions were of or what they believed and how they wanted to look and looked all holy. But they were dead inside. Huh? The ones that they called your father's a snake. John the Baptist. They were there. I don't worry about them. But the true men following God were all dead when Jesus set foot on the earth. Because the glory doesn't go to man, it goes to him. The same thing is going to happen in the time we are stepping in now. That's why all the trees are falling, the big names are dying. The season for those names, for one man working, is gone. It's the time that the body is going to be restored through Christ. The many-membered body with Jesus being the head. That's going to be restored. So stop thinking you're going to have a ministry one day. You young people, get that out of your mind. If you want to build a church and a ministry, you're missing it. It's not about you building a ministry. It's about you being obedient and doing what He tells you to do this through the Spirit. If something becomes a movement, God kills it. You can go back in time. Everywhere something became a movement or got a name, that the name became important, God killed it. It's still happening today. When something is true and pure, God will allow it. When it becomes a name, a following, God will kill it. Not the devil, God will kill it. It's been like that through all the ages. Alright? If we look outside of nature, I'm nearly finished now. When we look outside of nature today, we can see something needs to happen. Let's be honest. I spoke to Philip the other day, when it was it Friday, I said to him, we as Christians, man, we, 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 we're bad. We don't walk in the power because we're not like the way we should be. We're doing things wrongly, but we look so holy and good when we're doing this stuff. But the fruit, the Bible says we look at the fruit. I don't look at what you're doing, I look at your fruit. And if we, I look at Christianity today, they're very busy. There's mission fields, churches popping on every corner in the... But if I look at the fruit, it's rotten. Let's be honest. That's why people don't want to become a Christian. We became the laughing stock. Our God became a swear word. It's got no more power in the, in the eyes of man. All our discipleship movements, all our church building, all our fellowships guys it's not working and I'm not saying we must stop it we must continue 
because we need to grow. But if we are truly honest, it's not working. If it was working, it would look way lighter outside because at the moment it looks pretty dark outside. Doesn't matter which country you are. It can be in America, the UK, South Africa. It's dark outside if you see what man is doing. How the enemy is infiltrating the church system. It's dark. But we've got so many churches growing, more churches coming. You know what the joke I always make? The Lord loves George. Umiani always also made that joke. The Lord loves George. Because every second pastor that comes down to George says the Lord told him to come here and open a church. So the people in Joburg are okay. They're holy because they don't need churches or people there. But George people are full of sin. That's why we need so many churches here. Come on man, that's a lie. It's not the Lord telling you to go open a church in George. It's a nice place to stay. And it's safe for you. That's why the people from up north are moving this way. You don't need to throw the Lord in there just to get an excuse to come down here and open a church. That's why we have so many churches in this town. I mean, I've been, I've been, my wife's born here. I've been saying this in school. We've seen the churches coming in here. And they also know the Lord told them to come to George. And the Lord doesn't work through church denominations. He works through your heart with you. There's nothing wrong with being in a group, in a fellowship. There's nothing wrong with that. But we make those things the important things. That's what I'm saying. It looks like George is very sinful. <laughs> we count the amount of churches we have here. But we have the same, even more, liquor stores here in George. So where's the fruit then of all these churches? Why is it not happening? And it's not just in George, it's everywhere the same. If we look at nature, how's nature being exploited today? The Bible says the whole of creation is crying out for the revealing of the sons of God. It's not just you and me crying out that we want this. The whole of nature is crying out. Look at how animals are being abused, being slaughtered today. In a bad way. We're abusing nature. We're not doing it humanely anymore. Everything is on mass production. Huh? You know what I say about uh, veganism and all this stuff happening all over the world? Why is veganism picking up? Come, let's be honest, we, we, we don't play around to be honest. Why is veganism picking up in the world? Why was it first just vegetarians and now veganism? Now everything is good, clean, green, no meat. Why? Because the enemy is busy taking everything that God said we must use away from man. And we think it's so cool. Every YouTuber today tells you he's a vegan. Why? Because the in thing. The shops, vegan. You see these cheeses you get now, vegan. Noodles, vegan. Noodles made out of what we said yesterday, mushrooms. Go check and checkers. Mushroom noodles. Cauliflower noodles. Why? And we think it's oh, so healthy. Huh? Vegetables are so healthy. You know what I think about vegetables. That's the thing my food eats. Huh? I hope you got that. Vegetables is the thing that my food eats. I don't eat the food that my food eats. I eat the food. Guys, I know I'm really joking around about this, but this is serious stuff. You've got to start thinking what's going on in the world. The enemy is slowly creeping in and he's changing everything that the Lord said is good and making it evil. That's why veganism is so, 
seen as such a beautiful thing today. And are we abusing the animals? Yes, for sure we are. And we're going to answer for that. Are we abusing the animals? But that doesn't mean you mustn't eat meat. That doesn't mean you mustn't eat vegetables. I mean, vegetables are so fake these days, there's no, no more anything in it anymore. I made this statement the other day, I said, when I was young, in the 80s, you had healthy vegetables. Animals were slaughtered humanely in the 80s. And most of you are too young to know what happened in the 80s. Then the 90s came, and the shops and the industry started seeing mass production as a way to go. So we all had, us that were in the 80s, your father had a, a vegetable garden in your yard. Come on, all of you. In the 80s, you had a vegetable garden. I hated it. I had to go clean that thing every freaking weekend. I must still talk to my dad about that one day. Why was it only me, not my sisters? They never helped. I had to mow the lawn and, and, and tend to the, to the vegetables. I mean, I hated it. I mean, we ate anything that we have to do. But we were that, at that time, it was normal to have a vegetable garden in your yard. And you would use the tomatoes and the carrots that came out of there, and they tasted good. They were sweet, the carrots. When was the last time you tasted a carrot that was sweet? You, you don't get that. If you buy it in the shops, you will not get that. It's bitter. Here the 90s came, in the 2000s, and everything shifted to mass production. And we thought, okay, we can buy it in the shops. It's now easier. We don't have to grow it anymore. So we buy in the shops, and it was good. And as the time went on in the 90s, closer to the 2000s, mass production came in, and they started using all these chemicals and hormones. And here we're sitting in the late 2000s, 20s now, and all the vegetables are bad, full of hormones and stuff. Hey, but we eat our veggies. We love our veggies, but you're eating all the hormones and stuff in the veggies. And the world are telling you it's not cool to eat meat, it's cool to eat veggies. Even the meats are having the same problem. Guys, you must see the lie of the enemy. What is happening now in the world? If you look at the practical side of it, what's happening now in the world? I mean, Dylan and them are a perfect example. They have chickens. Rihanna's got chickens. I want chickens. We're going back to the 80s again. Because we see that the things in the shops are not good for human consumption anymore. We, we are noticing it, and that's why everything is going back again. People are starting to have their own vegetable gardens all of a sudden. For 20 years, some odd disappeared. Now we see it happening again. Why? Because people are seeing this was not a good idea. The stuff is not good that we're eating. I want, I'm using this as an example so you can see how the enemy has creeped in and told you lies. And I've spoken about this before. But I want you guys to see how sneaky the enemy came in to tell you lies and you believe it. They had to eat the whole lamb. They, didn't, they were not told eat the grass of the lamb. They were told eat the whole lamb. If God thought the lamb was not healthy, he would not have told them to eat the lamb. God told you which animals are not good for human consumption. We spoke about it yesterday again. God told you in the Bible which animals is not good to use for human consumption. That doesn't agree quite well to your body. I'm not talking about a law, don't eat pork. A law, don't eat prawns. A law, don't eat ostrich. I'm talking about 
Why did the Lord say you must not eat those animals? Can I tell you why? Because your body is not agreeing to those animals. They're meat. It's not good for human consumption. Don't make it a law thing. Ask the Holy Spirit. That's why those things are not good to eat. So look at how long pork takes to digest in your body. But no, I don't eat pork, so you, you, you. You're under the law. Guys, I want you to see how the enemy took this stuff and changed it and we fall for the lie every time. And it's happening all over the world. I said to them yesterday, I think Europe is the number one country that that thing is growing. But you can look at Europe, that's the country where God is missing, totally missing also. It's where these lies come in and it becomes normal. First it was being a vegetarian. When vegetarian became normal, now it's vegan. It went a step up. See how the enemy slowly comes in. It makes, the enemy will make something normal. And as soon as we agree to it being normal, he brings the real thing in. And we, we're stuck in that lie. Alright. Nature is calling out for God. Because we're abusing it. If you don't want to eat meat that's, in the, that's being used inhumanely, go buy somewhere where it's done humane. You know, your main way. If you don't want to buy vegetables in town that is in the shops, go get somebody that's growing it from somewhere naturally. And you will, they, it's happening all over. There's shops opening like that all over the place all of a sudden. The same thing is happening spiritually. Alright? It says here, because out of Zion the law will come. What did I say to you? What is Zion? The 144,000. The dwelling place of the Lord. It's not about the physical number. It's what it represents. What is this law coming forth that he's talking about here? The law of Christ, guys. The commandment of love. That's what he's talking about here, this law. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And I'm going to ask this again. Who is Jerusalem? Spiritually. The ones that has been with me should know the answer. But I'm saying it in the light of the new people. Who is Jerusalem in the Bible spiritually when it's used? It's two things. It's either your soul or the bride. Which is the same thing. Your soul is female. It's the bride. And he says there, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Where will the word of the Lord come forth? From the bride. So where will the word of the Lord come forth? Through the clouds. On the day of when Jesus was ascended. I'm going to say this again so you can get this in your heart. He didn't stand on a cloud and went up. He didn't go up. He went up in a higher dimension. John used that terminology in the island of Patmos. He said, I was sitting there and I was caught up. Did John go up anywhere? No, he was still sitting on the stone. What went up from John? His spirit went up into a higher dimension. When Jesus was standing there on the day of when he ascended and he went up into the cloud, did he go up? No, 
he went into a different dimension. That's how he left the earth, that cloud that Moses walked into. He stepped into that different dimension. But we think we think of clouds and we don't use the Holy Spirit to explain this stuff to us. We just use the literal clouds. Man, it cannot be the literal clouds because if you look at clouds in the Bible, it's going to get confusing then every time it's used. But if you understand the spiritual meaning of a cloud, you will see it's all used in the same way. God spoke through that. God in the Old Testament spoke through a cloud. He spoke through a burning bush. Now he speaks through his spirit. His Holy Spirit. He spoke through the law. Now he speaks through his spirit. Relational. It's a relational thing. Jesus was standing there and they say they all looked up as he was in the cloud. And we think of that up is like the spiritual realm opened and Jesus stepped into that. He was taken into that realm. And he's going to come back the same way he went. In a cloud. Who's the cloud now? Does the Bible say? The Bible says you are like clouds. Being blown away so easily. Why? Because you've got no rain in you. Hmm? That scripture's in your Bible. The Bible doesn't say oh, a, a lion is a cloud. The Bible doesn't say a dog is a cloud. He says you are a cloud being blown forth by the wind. And oh, we Christians are like that. Eh? We listen to a teaching and we believe something else. Huh? Huh? That's how it goes in your spirit. And I ask you, what did the person teach you? Oh, it was good. No, what did he teach you? No, it was beautiful. You're that cloud. You've got no rain. You've got no spirit in you. You take everything as, a, as, as what you hear and you believe it. And it's just a little light breeze. And there you go on a new journey. Oh, no, I believe this thing. Wow, I like it. No, man, you're that cloud. You've got no water in you. Not carrying water. Because a cloud full of water doesn't get blown away very easily. That's why that's used. And that storm is gathering. Guys, you need to realize, in the time we are living in now, that storm in the spirit is gathering and the clouds are gathering. And it's not about the clouds. It's about the one in the clouds. He's coming back. But he's going to use his clouds to manifest himself on this earth. And that's going to be you if you're in a relationship with him. I'm not talking about the day the Lord's going to return. Jesus is coming back. I'm not talking about that day. I'm talking about the day of the Lord. A lot of people get confused with that. There's two different days in the Bible. The day of the Lord is when He's going to reveal Himself on this earth through the clouds. He's coming back as He's left in a cloud. And He's coming back in a cloud. Exactly the same way He left. Make sure you that cloud. You're full of rain. That you can be part of that storm. Don't run after this religious stuff. You're going to miss it. You need a living relationship. I mean, we get so many beliefs outside there that think if you believe this, you're going to hell. If you believe that, you're going to hell. You're not going to hell because of what you believe. Get that out of your religious mindset. That's a lie and we stop believing that. You go to hell because you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior. Not your belief system. If it was about what you believe, your church you go to, we all will be going to hell. Because every denomination is wrong. And they have good in them. Every one of them. 
It's not about what you believe, what the guy standing in front teaching that makes you saved. It's have you got a living relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you going to be the cloud? Are you going to be the bride? You're not a bride because you follow Jesus and you go to church. You're a bride when you're loving. There needs to be a marriage before there can be sonship. First, the bride, then sonship, maturity will come out of that marriage. To have a marriage, the two people need to love them or one another. If you don't love him now, you most probably not a bride. Because he cannot marry. He will not marry somebody that doesn't love him. If you marry somebody that don't love you, let's see how long your marriage is going to last. You want to tell me he's going to come back one day and marry somebody that doesn't love him? He's not. I'm sorry, he's not. It's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie brought forth that the believers will stay lukewarm. Because they think, oh, I'm a bride. He's coming for us. Eh? No, guys, he's coming in the clouds, which is the bride, which is the one that loves him. And because there's a love relationship, he can work through you in love through love and he will as you walk on the streets of George or Cape Town or the Netherlands wherever as you walk and you do stuff even now as we're still in this preparation stage you will make him visible appear to the people outside and the more you step into that the more you cannot be caught up in religion and man-made stuff it irritates you later on because you only want to be with him and him in you and you want to reveal him so that he can become visible so that the bugs will come to you I mean there's some of you sitting here that were a bug one day and you came to me and I had to clean my teeth with all the bugs in my teeth huh? but that's how it is that's how we must be but now I don't want to get my hands dirty I don't want to be a disciple and you need to be a disciple you need to get your hands dirty to learn to walk in maturity now I only go to church then stay a baby stay lukewarm the only way you grow is by doing what needs to be done that's how you grow all right um, we'll still have one more session I think with the clouds I want to bring everything together but guys you must go through this stuff again to understand what this is saying how and there's more places in the Bible that talks about clouds I just use, use some of them but the, the couple of ones I just used and all of them you had the same stuff happening everywhere whether it's in Revelation or whether it's in Exodus there was lightning there was earthquakes they were there we spoke about the stars the moon huh? we spoke about the sand and the sea everywhere that gets mentioned why because of the spiritual meaning in there speaking about the day of the Lord speaking about you what must happen with you what we must get rid of inside here alright I have not one person that I've met that comes to me to talk not one that need, need a desperate cleaning and what do they need cleaning of their belief systems because they believed so much in their church and in their, in their belief they had no relationship with the Lord 
And that's the problem. It's not what you believe is the problem. It's you have no relationship. That's the problem. Now my marriage is in, in trouble. There's somebody that doesn't have a relationship with the Lord. Now my work colleagues are giving me grief. They're most probably not living a loving relationship with the Lord. That's why. That's the problem. But where do we fix the problem? With you. We start with you. Your relationship with the Lord is why we are struggling. Not what you believe or what you are doing. It's your relationship. Alright, remember that. Get this thing out of head. What I believe is making me more special than somebody else. It's nonsense. It doesn't. It's who you love that makes you special. And there's no pride in that. There's humbleness in that. Alright. Rain will bring life. A cloud on its own will bring no life. It needs to have rain. Otherwise there will not be life.